Attention sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. The hoax is the idea that the Trump campaign was uh, was the beneficiary uh, of a concerted effort together with the Russians to affect the 2016 election. Diane Feinstein had a Chinese spy as her driver for 20 years, and she's leading the Russian investigation, if that's what you call it. How about leading, no, no, she's leading the Russian witch hunt. That's something, isn't that something? I think a lot about the Democratic Party nationally and how it seems that that connection to people, where they are, what their experiences are, their struggles, their hurts and their pain, how we seem to have lost our way. You're going to have less taxes, more military funding, more border security, and more jobs. That's the choice that you face. It couldn't be more clear. And now, Stacey Washington. Hey, welcome to Stacey on the Right here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. It's my pleasure to be with you and our new expanded audience, which includes American Family Radio. We have a jam-packed program for you today. We're going to be speaking with Janine Perro of Fox News about her new book, holding up for all of the live streamers, liars, leakers, and liberals. The case against an anti-Trump conspiracy. It's by Janine Perrow. She's a Fox News host, and she's going to join us in the next segment. And then later on in the third segment, we're going to be speaking to Todd, Tim Todd, I'm sorry, Tim Todd, and he's going to be with us talking about the truth for youth. That's this entire week. We're going to be talking about that, and it's a pleasure to have him on for... Uh, the first hour of the show, we're going to be talking about the two ways to order your free Bible and wristband. You can call 1-800-733-4737. That's 1-800-733-4737 between 8 a.m. and 4.30 p.m. Central. Or you can go to truthforyouth.com to order anytime. You can uh, hear more about this. We're going to be talking about it. I'm mentioning it throughout the show. It's important for us this week. We're partnering with Engage Magazine, and we're really excited about that. So, if you're just tuning into the program, welcome. Glad to be with you on a Monday. Happy Monday to you. Sliding in from the weekend. And you're probably thinking, what am I hearing right now? The dulcet tones of who? It's Stacy Washington. So you can go to StacyOnTheRight.com and see my bio there. Um, briefly, I am a, oh, I was a stay-at-home mom uh, and volunteer. And I did a lot of work in our school district, which ended up kind of catapulting me onto school board. And in between there, I did a speaking engagement um, at a tea party rally under the arch. And that was back in, I think, 2011, 2010. And from there, I ended up going into radio and doing a lot of activism. In addition to being an elected school board member and an Air Force veteran, I ended up doing weekly radio on a morning show here that led to a weekend program of my own that led to a daily show on Urban Family Talk that led me to this moment where the first hour of that program is now being carried on American Family Radio. I'm a Christian, conservative, dyed in the wool, really, because my parents, although they're Democrats, raised us very conservatively, my sister and I, and my husband and I, where our first votes were for um, Bill Clinton. I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you the truth here. But... During the time that I was, you know, practicing my liberal fervor, I was single on active duty in the Air Force, and I really didn't have much skin in the game other than serving my country. And when my husband and I got married and moved to the Midwest, I started listening to Christian radio while I was caring for our oldest child, and the transformation began right then. When I tried to match up my political beliefs with what the Bible says, it wouldn't fit. And so I started to examine what I really wanted 
our home to be like and what I wanted our daughter at the time we just had her to grow up learning and understanding about faith and having a biblical worldview. And unbeknownst to me, the same transformation was happening with my husband through some coworkers at his work and also from him uh, just listening to radio to and from going to the job and, and all of that. And so uh, we ended up at the same place around the same time and discovered that we'd both been secretly harboring a conservative uh, viewpoints, uh, listening to the radio in the car. <laughs> So um, from then on, we've, we've pretty much been rock solid. We, of course, lived in the city of St. Louis for a little while. And during that time, we did vote for Democrats, the most conservative Democrats we could find because we wanted to participate. And Republicans are not really on the general ballot in the city of St. Louis. But when we moved to the suburbs, we started phone banking for George Bush and so on and so forth. And since then, we've been really walking the walk and uh, understanding why we're here to we, we have something we're here to do, every one of us. And so if you're listening to this show, it's not by accident. You're called to do something amazing for Christ. You're the hands and feet of our Father in heaven, and you're going to get something done for him. And what I want to do on this show is I want to bring together that intersection of faith and politics and so many other things that come together in that, in that special um, dynamic that we get to participate in because we live in the freest, most liberated nation on the face of this planet. And while we may not be a Christian nation, we as Christians are able to participate freely and openly in the political processes that bring us to where we are every day. And politics is the the means. It's the mechanism. It's how we get things done. It's not the end all. It's not the be all. It's the biblical worldview that keeps us rooted and grounded and allows us to be fully engaged with our faith. And so we're going to be talking about a lot of fantastic things. We'll always have guests and we will always have an opportunity to have callers. We'll usually take callers at the end of the first hour and we'll just be having a really great time here on the show. And you can reach out to me via my website, stacyontheright.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. It's at Stacy on the right on all of that. I welcome your feedback. <laughs> The good, the bad, and the ugly. The haters always manage to get some emails and, and messages in as well. And I don't mind, you know, you can you, you can send whatever you want. It's not going to stop me. Um, I've, I've had my fair share. I'm a Second Amendment supporter, uh, you know, gun owner, all that good stuff. And while I don't work for the NRA, I definitely support them and the mission that they have to make sure that people who are gun owners are able to freely practice their Second Amendment rights. So all of that and more you're going to hear on the Stacey on the Right Show every day on American Family Radio. I want to say thanks to the leadership at AFR and AFA and Urban Family Talk uh, for putting their trust in me to give me this opportunity. I am so excited about it. And so right now I want to delve into, we have some more time left in this first segment. I just, I'm, I'm absolutely uh, flabbergasted. So I just explained to you how we kind of moved to the Midwest, and I don't really think it was the locale that was the change. It was our family change after getting married, and we were married for a few years before we actually had our first child. That's when we started to see things differently. When you start paying more in taxes and you start having to balance your tax burden with what you're actually able to spend on your family, and you start to see that, that place where you really you have only a finite amount of resources that you're paid by your employer. And then you have the federal government coming in and they get their cut before the money hits your bank account. They've already extracted their cut. You have to pay for medical insurance, you have to pay for your bills. And then after that, you still want to have a life. And when you see how much of the government is funded by your portion, and then you see what they're doing with it, the waste, the fraud, the abuse, there's a 
plenty of fantastic things the government does, but it's too big. It's too large. Then you start to kind of say, well, I, you know, which, which of these parties is going to protect me? Which of these parties is going to at least give me an opportunity to spend more of what I have? And it's pretty clear. The Democrats would like to take up to 95% of your income, depending on how rich you are and how much they think you deserve it based on your demographics and how many of their victimhood boxes you can check. Meanwhile, the Republicans, while they're kind of like slow Democrats in some ways, they at least believe on the, on the fiscal side that you deserve to keep as much of your money as can possibly be negotiated with the thuggish, ruggish Democrats. <laughs> so it was interesting to me when I was listening to a, a little bit, catching up on the news, and I heard some audio from Joe Lieberman. Now, you know, he's an independent, but he caucuses with the Democrats. He's of Jewish extraction, and he has previously been at home with the Democrats, if you will. But they've moved so far to the left and become so radical that he's not even sure what's going on with them anymore. And so I found it interesting that he kind of echoes things that my husband and I and so many others that we know who are in our friend group who were once Democrats but left that party because it just it doesn't fit a just normal people. It's too much too much activism, too much violence, too many weird groups like Occupy Wall Street, Antifa, all of these protest groups that the violence is their aim, their chants are violent, their their whole ethos is to tear down what exists in America today and remake it in the form of some other country, which, by the way, you're always free to emigrate with an E right on out of here to one of these more, you know, socialist countries that you may like. So Lieberman talks about how the radicalization of the Democrats really upsets people like him, which it's interesting. It's more and more people who are like him. And I'm hoping it'll be a complete transformation because we need two parties and we need Democrats for balance. But I'm talking about more like the common sense blue dog Democrats of old, as opposed to this new iteration that is really frightening for everyone. It's number six. Look, uh, our politics has been in turmoil for too many years now, and it's gotten, you know, increasingly partisan. Uh, People treat their political party like it was a tribe, and they have to be loyal to it, and they, 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 they decide what they believe about issues based on the tribe they belong to rather than what they think about the the issue or the problem. And the result is, you know, very little is uh, getting done in Washington. The president uh, is able to do some things by regulation uh, or executive order, which this president is, and they have a certain latitude uh, in foreign policy. But, you know, ultimately, I mean, this is part of why I think Donald Trump was elected president, because even though people were not sure what he would be like, and he was so different than anybody who had ever been president before. People wanted a change. And so the change that was promised with Barack Obama, the hope and change, the vague, nebulous, distraction-type tactic, it was really a marketing tool. How do you sell something that you're not really sure if it has benefits or it does what you say it does? Well, you sell it around a concept that is undefinable so that people can't hold you accountable for whatever they get after they've bought in. And that's what happened to so many Americans who bought in the first go-round with Barack Obama. It was hope and change. They weren't sure what they were hoping for. They weren't sure what change they were going to get. They were just promised that, you know, racism would be eradicated, that there'd be no more un unexplainable weather events that, you know, the polar ice caps would go back to their normal shape. Uh, There was all kinds of crazy, almost wackadoodle promising being made. And it was all placed inside of this beautiful package 
which I have to say, it was difficult. You know, being a, a I happen to be of the permanent tan, and it was so wonderful to see a, a intact black family, the Obamas, husband, wife, and kids, and the family that they represented. Because so often, liberal Hollywood media, they don't put intact black families up there for us to see. They always put whatever deviant behaviors and anything that isn't mainstream, they tack that onto the black characters, and that's how they get blacks into television and movies, etc. And so it was nice to see. But in the end, promises made, well, it was kind of promises kept because we weren't really promised anything tangible. And then after Barack Obama took office and rode in on his steed, ready to save us all, we began to notice a little bit of a pattern. A lot of lies about Obamacare, about Benghazi, about the economy, about um, just racial unity in general. If there was anything he could do to spread racial animus, that's what he did instead of drawing the country together and pointing to the 85 percent of our experiences that are identical because we're all human beings and because we're Americans. Instead of pointing to the rich cultural heritage that we have as Americans because of our founding and then immigration and then the eradication of slavery and then more immigration and how our country is not only unique, but uniquely special in our relationships because you don't have to be any race or background. You don't have to have a certain economic status. In some countries, you can't immigrate unless you have a certain amount of money and property that you own to show that you won't be a burden on their economy and that you can come in at the top. Not so in America. You need only want to be an American. And Instead of him pointing to that and pointing to his own history, his own interesting backstory, to try to draw Americans together and bring us to a place where we could really experience some unity, he continued to drive home the web, the the wedge of division that really has brought us to a place now where we're factionalized, we're fractured. There's an answer for that. True unity comes in knowing Jesus Christ and seeing yourself from God's perspective. And that's something that we'll discuss more and more here on the program. But for right now, I hear the music. We're going to go to the commercial break. And when we get back, we're going to have Janine Pirro of Fox News. We're going to be talking about her book. It's Liars, Leakers, and Liberals. I've got it right here for you. I'm going to be asking her questions directly from these pages. And we'll also discuss other things, whatever we can squeeze into one segment. So StaceyOnTheRight.com, AFR.net, UrbanFamilyTalk.com. All of those websites right there for you. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Hi, I'm Will Addison. And I'm Miki Addison of Aaron the Addisons on Urban Family Talk. Family is so important to everything. I mean, think about it. Right after God created Adam, he made family by creating Eve as his wife. We'd like to invite you to the Marriage, Family, and Life Conference this summer. We have a full slate of experts to help encourage and equip the body of Christ to fight for the restoration of the family. Our speakers include Ryan Bomberger of the Radiance Foundation, Dr. Clarence Schuler of Building Lasting Relationships, Abraham Hamilton III, Pastor Burt Harper and his wife Jan, and more. We'll even be there. The Marriage, Family, and Life Conference will be Friday and Saturday, August 17th and 18th at Hope Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Come help us fight back against the enemy's direct attack on marriage and family. That's the Marriage, Family, and Life Conference put on by Urban Family Communications, a division of the American Family Association. You can learn more and register at urbanfamilytalk.com. Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. 
Randy Alcorn, in his powerful little book, The Treasure Principle, rightly states that giving is a barometer of our spiritual maturity. In fact, some years ago, a friend of mine who is executive pastor of a large church told me that there was a noticeable correlation between what God has done in the lives of the church members and what they put in the offering plate. Part of our problem in the Christian life, I think, is that we segment our lives. We say, this is what I give, this is what I do at home, and this is what I do at church, and this is what I do in the community. But true spirituality demonstrates that all we have and all we are belong to God. There's no segmentation with God. I was reminded of this as I read 2 Chronicles chapter 31, verse 10. And Azariah said to him, Since the contributions began to be brought into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat with plenty left over. For the Lord has blessed his people, and this great quantity is left over. He says, These people are giving primarily because God has touched their hearts. We've got too much. Isn't that a great problem to have? Their generosity was a work of the Spirit of God in their midst. Let me ask you a question. How grateful are you for what God has done and is doing in your life? Does your checkbook indicate your gratitude? Here's what I want you to remember and do today. Randy Alcorn's book, The Treasure Principle, has had a profound impact on me. We all need to embrace the message that he underscores of generosity, of sacrifice, and not segmenting our lives. Take a look at your stewardship. It's not part of your life. It is all of your life. Thanks, Crawford, and thank you for listening to today's Legacy Moment, a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Global Ministries. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program, and it is my pleasure to welcome here on the program for the first time, hopefully one of many opportunities for us to speak with the judge, Judge Janine Pirro, author of the new best-selling book, Liars, Leakers, and Liberals. Judge, thank you so much for joining us today. It's my pleasure. I'm thrilled to be on with you. Okay, so I got to say, you know, I've, I've seen you on TV so many times and you are so like you're hard hitting, you're you're so direct and you have drilled every issue down for when you're when your show comes on. I know I'm going to get that open where you you just lay everything out and you take no prisoners. So I'm hoping for that right now because I have your book in my hand. And I've got uh, the people who are watching the live stream, you guys can see I'm holding the book up and I've got all my little yellow stickies out. I don't even have enough time to ask you all the questions I want to get to, but I have to say. Well, I'm, I'm thrilled. I mean, look, I've been a prosecutor, judge, and DA for 30 years. I've run for office five times. So uh, I, I am looking forward to your questions. We'll drill right now, whatever okay. you need. Well, let's get to, first off the bat, uh, why did you write the book? And I, I always ask authors that because there's usually a, a specific moment where you were like, I got to get this. Why'd you write it? Well, you know, as you said yourself, um, every weekend on my show, Justice, uh, on Fox, uh, I, I, I do something, something I'm passionate about. You know, it's not just the news. It's not just whatever. It's something that winds me up. And so, you know, I kept writing a book, about, uh, writing open about what was going on with the DOJ and the FBI. And as someone, you know, who has revered the law and spent her life, uh, you know, in the trenches fighting for truth and justice and the violent victims of crime, 
you know, I, I just couldn't get over what was happening every day, what we were learning. Uh, and it was just too much for an open. I needed to write a book. So I could make it clear what is going on in our justice system and how maybe justice who's supposed to be blind, uh, you know, who's uh, directed in one direction in the Hillary Clinton case and another uh, in uh, teeing up a uh, uh, non-existent collusion on the part of Donald Trump and the Russians. Okay, so, and and that's right along the lines of, of segueing to my first question about the actual book. And so in Chapter 2, Chapter 2 is entitled Lying, Liberal, Fake News, and Fiction. And under the subheading <laughs> Street Injustice, you talk about, so on your show, Justice with Judge Janine, you have this segment called Street Justice, and you go out to the streets, right, and you ask people questions, and usually you stick close to Fox News, but sometimes you travel around, and you share a little bit about an incident where you were down at a park very close to NYU, and you're getting this great funny right. footage, and... Then you've got this kid who's a student who's behind you. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, what happened was I was talking to them about this whole idea of snowflakes and triggering and what was going on, what it meant. Well, I apparently triggered a few snowflakes because they came out in droves uh, to shut me down. Every time I tried to talk to someone, they would yell and scream, fake news, Fox News, Fox News, FU, I mean, I can't say it. But right in your face. Now, understand, I, I always have security, the cameraman, the producer with me. And, uh, you know, my security was, you know, still a big concern. And the, the only issue for me was, you know, I, I kept trying to talk to them. They didn't want to talk. It, you know, it was like, I'm not interested in, uh, in, in what you have to say. You work for Fox, and that's all I need. So uh, at one point, he came up uh, soon. With the group, and he said, look, I'm a, I'm a conservative. I think Donald Trump's doing a great job, but I have to do this, uh, you know, because I'll get bad grades and I won't have any friends. Yeah. And, you know, and then all of a sudden he started yelling, Fox News, fake news, and it was, it was schizophrenic on his part. But he was trying to send a message that, look, no matter what they say, a lot of us are convinced that the left you know, uh, is, is doing the right job by shutting everyone down and by saying that the right is fascist, when in truth the left is fascist because fascism only accepts one way of thinking, one train of thought, and if you hear from it, you're in trouble. Wow. I, so in a land as free as our own, we have our college students. They don't really feel free. They don't have the liberty to be on the opposing political view. If you're not a Democrat, you can't have friends. You can't be popular on campus. You can't do the things you might want to do in college. That's, I mean, that's, that's an indictment. And, and I don't see anyone on the left willing to acknowledge it. Well, they're not willing to acknowledge it. In fact, uh, if you saw me on The View a couple of weeks ago, they're willing to do it uh, on live national television, ABC, the way they did to me, uh, you know, by screaming me down, uh, and yelling at me, and Whoopi Goldberg just pushing off from the desk and saying, that's it, goodbye. And uh, then when I got down, uh, downstairs leaving uh, right away, she then said, F you, and get the F out of the building. Now, I'm with my team, and they were mortified. I mean, they didn't know what to do. You know, the young people, and they've never seen anything like this. 
you know, not that, you know, I grew up on this kind of a setting, but, you know, I, I, I know my way around a courtroom pretty well, and I've sat on the bench a long time. Uh, and for, as far as I'm concerned, if they're willing to do that in front of the country, they have no problem shutting you down uh, in, in silence. Or, you know, what we're seeing with the cabinet members, but Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who's a spokesperson for the president, uh, and then uh, Kirsten Nielsen, Secretary mm-hmm. of Homeland Security. I mean, people are being approached who are on the right and yelled at, uh, cursed at, and you know, they're being told shame or get out. We don't mm-hmm. want you here. This is not the America that you and I love and adore. And I think, and that's, again, one of the reasons I wrote the book. It's time for us to get out there and let everyone know that this country is precious and it's worth saving. And, you know, the left has just about lost its mind. They really have. And and you you brought up some really great examples that are recent. And I, I, I watched with horror. The, so, you know, the, the news clips came out almost immediately after your appearance. And I watched the behavior of the women on The View. And I, I think... What really enraged them, Judge, and and if you're just tuning in, welcome to the show. I'm speaking with Judge Janine Pirro of Fox News and also author of the new book, bestseller already, Liars, Leakers, and Liberals. And so, Judge, what I noticed about it is that people who wrote stories about what happened to you, they didn't write about the poor behavior of Whoopi Goldberg or how she lost control. And we're all human. Anyone can lose control. But she didn't just lose control and then realize, oh, wow. I could have handled that better. She was actually belligerent afterwards. And we saw part two of the story where she got in your face and basically threw you out of the building and your reaction, which, you know, you, you could have, you could have taken almost any reaction at that point. I mean, she'd given you carte blanche to, you know, lose control as well. Instead, you very graciously said, well, I mean, you know, it's your building and, and you exited. But afterwards, I didn't see news media people like Jim Acosta saying how horrible it was that you were treated that way, the same way he feels he should be given kid gloves by the president. Yeah. Well, you know, what, what happened to me, uh, and I never got an apology, by the way, uh, and it's interesting that Megan McCain, who sat to my left or on the right of the screen as you were looking at the segment, and of course, you can get it, I uh, can Google it on YouTube, uh, when, when the three of them stormed off, uh, Whoopi and, uh, uh, I forget her name. Uh, Joy Behar. Uh, it doesn't Behar. matter. Um, when they stormed off, Megan McCain kept mouthing, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not happy at that point. I am ripping my microphone off. And, uh, and then the next day I hear Megan McCain said, oh, I support Whoopi. But don't you think they threw my staff out, and she followed me with, get the F out, get the F out. And uh, on my show that weekend, uh, and again, you Google this too, I talked about what's happening, but I did it in a very calm way where, you know, this, this has to stop. We have to listen to each other, and, you know, that I liked Whoopi, and that's why I went on the show. I mean, I don't have any any feelings that, oh, she's on the left, I hate her. You know, the way they look at us. And, um, you know, and, and I think the sales of the book, number one on the New York Times bestsellers list, is basically support for me. And, um, you know, I mean, the book, obviously, already won on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and 
everything happened. I think people on the right dug in and they said, this is not right, and we're going to buy the book. You know, even if we were going to buy the book, we're going to buy it now. Well, I it's at my Barnes and Nobles where I went to purchase it. It's right on the front table. You know, that's where they put the books that are selling the best, the ones that everyone's looking for. I walked right in 10 feet inside the front door. Your book was lower left corner of the of the and and stacked up high and on and a little one stood up in the front where I could grab it right off the bat. Um, I, I, I thought that was interesting, too, because, you know, they're often really kind of negative uh, they, they try to put the books in the back and all that but it was <laughs> right it, in front <laughs> um yeah and and i also think you know just just as an aside before we transition to that because i want to talk about the fake news news awards and in, in your book um i i think the problem was that you came on and instead of being meek you were yourself they knew what to expect but they thought you were going to come in and play nice and let them run all over you. And when they didn't get that reaction, and when you said, you know, you kind of gave a little finger point over to Whoopi, she did not even try to control herself. And I have to say, you know, she's, she's, not, she's not unprofessional every day. I've seen her lose it before. But I was surprised mm-hmm. at how, how fully she just released any inhibitions that allowed herself to let go. And it really, I know a lot of people on Twitter were saying, eh, you know, she deserved it. But I think real Americans, Democrats and Republicans alike, you know, that's why the book's doing so well, because they really they, they felt like that was beyond the pale. And it was, in my opinion. And I I'm glad that you still well, you, you, know, know, you were able to it, take it. It's interesting. And, and you know, when I, I hear people say I deserved it. I, I think anyone is objective. Objective. You just look at the YouTube. But the 